for years, you know, well into my, till I was 40, I kept thinking, okay, I'm going to do what women are supposed to do. I'm going to get married and have children and live that life. Just not right now. <laughs> so I just kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And one day I realized I was happy. And fortunately, the whole of feminism came along and said, not everybody has to live the same way. It's okay. I believe that each and every one of us has the power within ourselves to create the life that we really want. And I want to help give you the tools to make that happen. I'm Danica Patrick, and I'm Pretty Intense. Welcome to the Pretty Intense podcast. On the show today is Gloria Steinem. Man, Gloria, an 85-year-old icon. She's a writer. She she almost has a she says she's a hard time pinning down exactly what her job is, but she's a writer, she's a feminist, she is a part of movements. Um, and my goodness, she has some interesting and sometimes very simple perspectives on something that were I don't know. I think we all want an answer, and sometimes the simple answer is not the one we want. But sometimes, but I think that that that's what the truth is. And I'm not going to argue with someone that's 85 years old. So she has a hell of a lot more experience than I do. So, look, we talked about life. We talked about what's important. We talked about what the point of it is. And I hope that you find this just as refreshing as I did. Thanks for coming, Gloria. This is um, a really cool opportunity to talk to someone who has been um, so um, instrumental in um, leading the way by being strong with an opinion and not falling into the norms, really, which is the problem. The perpetuation Mm -hmm. of the problem is that you just kind of go with the flow and um, so thank you for coming and being you know, able well, to it, I could say share. and do say exactly the same thing because you really didn't go with the norms. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I talk about not going with yeah. the norms, and, and I do, I suppose, in my life, but not with the kind of immediacy and danger that you have done. Yeah, well, I guess there's, you know, there's, there's, there's physical danger, but, you know, you also are opinionated on things that create different danger. And... Um, you know, danger of judgment, danger of perhaps your own well-being on some level. I mean, look, you're, 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 you're standing your ground on stuff that people don't want people to stand their ground on, and that's why it is mm-hmm. the way it is. Um, I, uh, I've always said to people that if you don't find what it is that's unique about you, you're not going to stand out because you're never going to be the next someone else. Like anyone that wants to be, they say, I want to grow up and be mm-hmm. like you. I said, you shouldn't want to grow up and be like me. You should want to grow up and be better than me because that's the only way you're going to get it done. Well, you or should n- be not, yourself. Yeah, yes, that's the key to it. Right. It's, it's not better necessarily, yeah. uh, but it's unique. Yeah. Just, I mean, I think we each come into the world as a unique combination of heredity and environment and, you know, that could never have happened before and mm-hmm. could never happen again. And we share our humanity. So the whole idea is to be able to express what's unique in us 
and be supported by other people. We can't. So how old were you when you knew that there was something unique about you and you had unique perspectives? Uh, you know, I'm not sure because that requires self-consciousness, but I think it helped in a way that I didn't go to school very much until I was about, I don't know, 12 or 13. So I was just reading books and assuming, you know, that I could, you know, follow my interest. I, I probably missed a certain amount of conforming because I, I wasn't in the classroom. And, and also, oddly, I don't know if this will make sense or not, but uh, my mother and both my grandmothers were theosophists. And the, that means... What is the definition of a theosophist? Well, it, it, it just means God knowledge, but, okay. uh, but it's, okay. it, it's uh, a kind of spiritual God is in everything, not in one guy, you know, <laughs> Good. belief. Okay, got it. Uh, and... It also, they also kind of believe in incarnation, reincarnation. Okay, got it. A Buddhist so, perspective? So, yeah, sort of even pre-Buddhist because really? Buddha is in a way monotheism, right. one guy. Okay. Yeah, so okay. this is... Yeah. <laughs> this so, is good. No, this is great education. I mean, this, this is, is also God, God is in everything, flowers, bees, people, all of nature, mm -hmm. and so on. Uh, Does it have a name? Like, is it like a, okay. Yeah. I don't know if it was like Gaia or like no, it was sort of like generally an known as Theosophy, and it was uh, sort of I think began in the late 1800s, and it's still around. Now that I've told you this, you will see Theosophical lodges in cities and so on. Are they looking but, for them? Yeah, um, but because they uh, kind of believed in in reincarnation then the idea was that your job as a family was to help this child become who they already were. And, and, and that is, you know, very helpful instead of saying you have to be just like Uncle Harry or Amen. whoever. Right. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it didn't keep my mother from occasionally saying, you're just like your father. <laughs> you know? What do you believe? Uh, I think I, I, I believe that, you know, that... Uh, there's godliness, mystery, life, whatever you want to call it, in all living things. Mm -hmm. And we make up divisions. We make up gender. <laughs> we make up race. We make up class. But we didn't always, actually. I mean, the old languages uh, were here, and the, you know, on Manahatta Island, and the the Native American languages didn't have gender. They didn't have he and she. People were people. Did they have name? I mean, they were gone. They went with. They had a name. Probably is that yeah, how they no, were no. addressed? No, everybody ha had a uh, an individual name. Mm -hmm. Did and they? Was there anything unique about how they got their name? Yeah, they. I, I hate to generalize because there were you know like hundreds of different sure, tribes and sure. nations, but they often waited until the child did something unique. And, and then named the child. Because Native so, American names are fairly unique. They're, yeah, you know, so that's how you got, like, running with wolves of the forest or something. Or, yeah, 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 exactly. right, yeah. yeah, Because they did kind of wait until you did something unique, and then wow. that was your name. Wow. But although you also had your clan name, I mean, you belonged uh -huh. to a clan. Right? But, like, your family or your... Yeah, your, that was your, your second name, but you had an individual name. Wow, that's that's... 
I think we're trying That's to get back there. I, yeah, because yeah. I, I, feel, I do feel like there's an unlearning going on where we're going back to even on simple levels of like farm to table food and growing mm-hmm. things again instead of the big box stores where you are eating fake food. Like pe- there's, there's a movement of getting back to where we were through um, all kinds of different right. channels. No, I absolutely. And it, it, the, the period of time that we are in that is patriarchal, hierarchical, racist, gendered is quite short. I mean, in, in this country where we are, it's uh, 600 years. And people have been here for thousands upon thousands of years. So maybe this is Do a mistake. Do you believe in, <laughs> it's true, this could be a little hiccup we're having right now. Um, do you believe in reincarnation? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I just say I don't know. Do you feel like you ever have a sense of familiarity with situations or um, a, a yearning or a love for something that you can't explain or that's not like someone else that you think, you know what, in another life? Mm-hmm. I certainly feel that I'm suddenly in tune with something. Uh, and there was once a wonderful, huge novel called The Recognitions, which was all about this by William Gaddis. And the whole premise was that you're, you went through life and recognized things that you had known before. I, I don't know, but I do think whether it has existed before or not, we suddenly find ourselves with a kind of consonance or uh, understanding or, you know, that goes along with whoever we are. Mm-hmm. Could be an interconnectedness, too, on a level that we don't understand, a metaphysical level that, you know, obviously we can't see that, but that it's there that we don't understand um, how we become tethered to each other, how there, you know, once there is some sort of interaction, you're forever... Um, intertwined mm-hmm. with people and things and places. Yes, we may be the result of all the food we've ever eaten and right. all the uh, people we've ever loved and known or and all the books we've ever, you know, yeah. who, who knows? I don't know. I think about the world and it just blows me away and I'm like, where did we come from and what is all this <laughs> and what is the point and where are we going and where did we, where did we come from? Um, but back to something that you brought up that for me is a, a really a topic that I talk about and think about regularly, and that is division and how it kind of came to me with the whole divide and conquer. And in my mind, I thought divide and conquer was like, get a team together and go conquer the world. And now I look at it completely different. To me, divide and conquer is keep people fighting and disliking each other and away from each other and we don't know they don't even know each other and just give them a reason to not like someone else so that we can keep division that way we keep people small and certain people stay in power and so that's how I look at it now but whether it's um, race religion um, your political views shoot the team you cheer for I mean there are so many things to create division, mm-hmm. and I, I, I believe it's a, it's a great source of our disconnectedness from each other 
we can just put a title mm-hmm. on it. We don't have to get to know you because you're just a this. Yeah, I, I agree totally, 100%. And I think that where it starts is controlling reproduction and therefore controlling women's bodies. Because the, the paradigm of old, old, old cultures, that some of which are, of course, still with us, uh, certainly where we all came from in Africa, the Quay and the mm-hmm. San, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. the oldest cultures in India are the oldest ones here. The paradigm was a circle, not the pyramid. So the idea mm. was that we were linked, mm-hmm. not ranked. That's a great reference, a circle versus a triangle. Yeah. The triangle has a top. And once you look at it that way, a lot of things make sense. Right? Yeah. Uh, and the first step, as far as I know, of every hierarchy in the world, uh, ancient or new, is controlling reproduction, and that means wow. controlling women's bodies. Obviously such a hot topic with abortion laws. Yeah, it's still going on. And, and, and not to cite the ultimate, but actually it was the first thing that the so-called National Socialists that Hitler did in Germany. The very first thing he did was to, well, first of all, he came to power on... Uh, restoring because you know there had been a lot of real democracy in in Germany between the wars yeah. and and he came to power on restoring kinder you know the the traditional role of women children church kitchen um, oh you were and, speaking the german version yeah and when he was elected the first thing that he did was to padlock the family planning clinics and declare abortion a crime against the state so that uh, the doctor would be executed, the woman would be imprisoned, because she wasn't executed, because she has the one thing that men don't have, which is a womb. And in prison, she could be forced to bear children. So what would they do with these children? Well, there's, there's a whole movie, actually, called Hitler's Children. I mean, he was breeding Aryans a part of it, of course, with him is self-hatred. Look at him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's this dark, swarthy, you know, I mean, he was, you could analyze him forever. He was probably half Jewish, been ashamed mm-hmm. of, I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the point is, uh, the larger point, I think, for us to remember, is that hierarchies start with controlling reproduction and therefore controlling women's bodies. And if there is racism, or as in India, caste, uh, which didn't always exist in India, I mean, in the very old southern part, you know, it it came to mean, it means color, and it was imposed, then it's much greater because you have to keep, you have to decide who has children with whom in order to keep races separate or Mm. cast separate and so on or visible visible at least they did this in um was this part of also even um bloodlines and royalty and keeping things yes keeping keeping farms in the family is utter bullshit there is no such thing as royalty excuse me yeah royal blood i mean it's a joke 
No, the whole idea of kings and queens and all this hierarchical stuff is the triangle. Yeah. No, I mean it's. I mean it's at least. I mean, you may need some hierarchies, like a fire department, to act quickly. <laughs> well, I can <laughs> or, tell you, they don't want to get a cat of it out of a tree. I've tried that. <laughs> yeah, or a surgical. No, but I mean, you you know, you need for purposes of quick action. You may need a hierarchy, but the point is, you're not born into that hierarchy. It's mm-hmm. about competence. But the hierarchies you're supposed to be born into are all utter bullshit. To use a technical term. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I believe division is a is a really um, is a, is just an area that is um, lethal for us, and um, I think we got to get over that. Mm. Patriarchy is something else you mentioned, and um, being a you know you being the set, you being the leader of like women just being themselves and speaking up and True. saying what you want. It's but here's the thing. I am also not the leader, and uh, I am part of a movement. Of course. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, we don't want to repeat the hierarchy, Cycle. if you know what I mean. Cycle. Yeah, right. Look, you're, you're right. very helpful in the process. Um, but who the hell ever decided that it was a man, not a woman? Or whoever decided to have someone in charge? Like, where did that come from? And how old is that? How old is that problem? You said what, 600 years, maybe, or something? Well, on this continent, it's older in other places. But because the European colonists came here about 600 years ago, so and, and, the, and the you know, cultures that were already here were much more circular, democratic. I mean, our, our constitution came from the Iroquois Confederacy, the Haudenosaunee, who we... Of course, we left out women, and we, but still, the idea of, of consensus, of circles and of consensus, came from the um, from here. It was already here, right? So, what's the? Do you know the history of that, or how the how that was established? I guess it might. I'm I'm finally starting to just question everything, mm. and um, even on the fundamental level. Um, so, you know men being in power and is like just a well no it's of course it doesn't make sense it's ridiculous so i'm like i don't get that anymore like that just doesn't make any sense whoever decided that and no and actually the the masculine role is killing men i mean it's you know it's it may be harder for women but it's not great for men either because you know they're supposed to risk their lives and tension related diseases and who knows i mean they're deprived of their own children uh, you know, I mean, part of the way that you become a whole human being is being able to, uh, you know, raise and love children and relate directly. You know, it's not good. The roles are not good for anybody. Mm-hmm. That we figured out once that men would live five years longer without the masculine role because if you just take out of the statistics the deaths that are due to danger, speeding, tension. So I always say to audiences of men, you know, we can offer you more years of life. Who else can <laughs> do that? Do that, right, right. <laughs> and, and it's why, you know, there are, uh, you know, men are feminists too. Well, I mean, that's just the truth. There's masculine and feminine in every woman, and there's masculine and feminine in every man. And what it seems like is happening is that there's a, there's, 
I believe there's a shift to men getting more in touch with that feminine side of them um, and the woman of the masculine, right? Because the masculine gets things done and goes and does it and the feminine sits back and kind of, you know, they're both powerful. We're becoming human. I mean, the whole idea of masculine and feminine is invented. I mean... So how would you describe certain energies then? Certain... uh, Human. I mean, I I don't know. I guess I would describe their content, mm-hmm. nurturing patience. I don't know, you know, what mm-hmm. whatever the, the the quality is. But I th- and sometimes I think the whole world is divided into two kinds of people: those who divide everything into two, and those who don't. <laughs> so I think it probably would be helpful to at least adventure into not dividing everything into two because we aren't actually and and now and and transgender and trans you know young people now who are identifying uh, with a, a, a group they are not viewed as being born into are very helpful you know because it's beginning to do away with those bipartite divisions do you think it's somewhat a another another division though like dividing the sections up even more or is it just about creating awareness that we're not all like that we're not all one or this like this or this you know the first step is probably rejection of the existing divisions and then you try to find yourself so um uh, i mean i i i know what you mean because i see you know on campuses i see young men trans women who are uh, wearing things that I wouldn't wear anymore, if you know what I mean, because mm-hmm. because they seem too feminine. Mm-hmm. But that's just part of the process of change, probably. You know, expo- exploring. Yeah, explain explain to me how 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 do you how do you change the assumed roles identity. Mm-hmm. Or just cultural understanding of something. Like, what does that process look like, and how long do you think? Well, that takes? I, I think we're seeing it, don't you? I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, and it, you know, I'm way older than you, so I just want to say that in my life, you were supposed to wear uh, skirts and frilly things, and you know, just the fact that that we wore pants when I was growing up was a rebellion. <laughs> uh, that we didn't wear. Lipstick, I don't know, was a, that we didn't wear high heels was a, people made endless fun of women's asses in pants when I was growing up because they were not supposed to wear pants. So <laughs> it's, it's, uh, and men were supposed to be super macho in my neighborhood and all of that. So it's, it's a, it's a, a process. But is there, um, is there a blueprint for it? Is there no. something where it's like, you come out hard, you wake people up, it's gotta be dramatic, whatever it is that you're pushing for, whatever you're trying to pull the veil back on, and then they'll find a recenter from there and No, there's no No, there's no I don't think I don't think there's a blueprint like that. I think there is a kind of um, not exactly a blueprint, but things you can do that are helpful. For instance, if um, if you're in a situation, try to remember, especially if you say you're in a situation in which you have more power for some reason, 
then be sure to listen as much as you talk. And if you have less power, be sure to talk as much as you listen, mm -hmm. which can be just as hard because you're not used to, used to hiding. So, you know, the, the means are the ends. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? So if we, we use something as simple as that, as a little democracy, we'll get to democracy, if you know what I mean. Okay. Right. So given that, you know, there's a question of, you know, all kinds of constructs that we have, do you believe in duality? No. <laughs> Man, you keep it really simple. It's kind of refreshing. No, I don't. I don't. But I mean, I mean there may you may be in a situation where there is a duality, but that is a particular situation. Life is not a duality. Life is infinite subtlety and circular, not either or. That's why I was saying I think, you know, there are two kinds of people who one who divides the world into two and Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. So they don't believe in the whole kind of um light and dark and how that is applicable in all situations essentially I mean, like the no day, matter you're passing through your life well and the day is not light and dark the day the day is gradations of light and gradations of dark and a circle and so on and the sun moves around and the moon moves around right so if it's circular essentially everything just kind of in that fashion you must believe in reincarnation then I would I would th I, no I don't I don't say I believe because I don't know. So who where did we come from and where are we going? I have no idea. What are we? Living in the present. Right here right now. This is it. What is us? Like what am what am I am I just my body? Am I No, obviously. Energy? Am I like what? You're all of the above. I'm all of the above. Right. No scientist has yet invented <laughs> Yeah. how to create a human being. And I don't think, you know, I mean, right. Yeah, there's cloning going on, right? Yes, but pretty that's sure not the same thing. Pretty... I, mean, I mean, you know, that's, that's a, a treating existing. I mean, that whatever this life form is, it's taken billions of years to get there. And it, no doubt we continue to evolve. So what's the point? The point is us right now, yeah. sitting here, this is it. <laughs> Understanding each other, learning from each other, uh, respecting each other, recognizing our, our, both our differences and our sameness, uh, having ahas of learning, which are great fun, having, you know, the, the old cultures also recognized the importance of laughter. They always said that laughter is the only free emotion because you can compel fear, obviously. You can also compel love if someone is isolated and dependent for long enough. You come to believe you're in love because you bond with somebody in order to survive. You know, it's like the Stockholm syndrome. You, you think know? that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Go into yeah. that. So, love is well. You, you there. If survival is, you know, is the key. So, if somebody is 
uh, I mean, the Stockholm Syndrome, as you know, was people who were mm -hmm. actually in prison for a long period of time and dependent, and they they continued to be attached to their... And they were happy there. Well, they, they weren't exactly happy, right, but they but, were attached, yeah. and they, they mm -hmm. worried about the welfare of their, you know, because mm -hmm. that's what we mm -hmm. do to survive. But the point is that laughter can't be compelled. It just happens. It's like an orgasm of the mind, you know, it just happens. And, and the, here, the Indian country uh, cultures say that it's, um, it breaks into the unknown. And if you can't laugh, you can't pray. Because it's, you know, it's a way of breaking into the unknown. Yeah, I mean, no, no, literally. You, I mean, you can't make some. It's the you can't make someone laugh. Actually, really laugh. So it's a great evidence of freedom, and that can guide us too. We should just not go any place we can't laugh. God, including we church. Just live by that. Including write, church. <laughs> write that down, as I'm sure you have. Um, that's. Um, that is, uh, so what do you think about love then? Because I would, I, the way you describe laughter mm -hmm. is the way I feel like love is described. Mm. Well, hopefully that's also spontaneous and, and free and not compelled right. and so on, right? Because you can fake laugh, which I'm every now and again accused like, you're fake laughing at me. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not. Yes, I am, you're right, I'm fake laughing at you a Yeah, well, the, the um, very fact but, that somebody knows it's fake, Yeah. Means a means lot. What? Means there's no such thing as fake laughter, or they wouldn't be able to tell. So then, what's uh, so love? And you think about there's lots of facets of love. There's love for you know, love for people. There's love for your family. There's love for your dog. There's love for things. It's essentially, maybe short or shorter term, but there's a love for doing something. So, what about relationships? Then, is this a construct? Are we meant well, to find one person to share things with? Or is this just part of the part of what you, I feel like you're describing is we're just here to have a human experience. Like it's we're here to laugh. We're here to love. We're here to um, experience and learn and share and grow. So is the relationship part of it something that we misunderstand about finding that one? Yes. I mean, the, the idea of just one seems to have come about mainly, at least in Western culture. Uh, in Europe, at a, in points of time in which uh, for, there was great emphasis on replenishing the population, the men were frequently in armies and going off, you know, the, the amount of time that people were actually together was quite short. And so there was this intense time of romance which is not necessarily Population. the same as love, right? True. But the kind of mystique of, of, of love that we hear described. But I, I think in, I would say in romance, in, in love you want what's best for the other person. Mm -hmm. In romance, you want the other person. Okay. So it's more about possession. Yeah. Okay. And, and so ultimately, you kind of want what's best for you because you're like, I just kind of want this. Well, you're, <laughs> you're looking for what's missing in you. And, and the, the fact that we divide ourselves up into masculine and feminine means that men suppress their, 
quote unquote feminine qualities, mm-hmm. whatever that means, mm-hmm. and we suppress our. So then we're attracted to each other because we're each incomplete. And this is this is doesn't last, this of true. course. Yeah, right. Well, that's <laughs> better if, that you if can't... two people are complete. They're way more likely to yeah. stay together. That is the journey, isn't it? It is the journey to come to an arrival at yourself. I, a few years ago, spent enough time alone to start really figuring myself out because we. We tend to conform to what we think we should based on our job or our family or our relationship. And and there's so little quiet time now. I mean, you can, like, I find myself, I'm totally guilty of it myself. You know, you get a spare minute and you look at your phone. There's never quiet time. Mm-hmm. There's no time to reflect. There's no time to just quiet the mind and stop being populated with Propaganda. No, well, that's the purpose of, of meditation or whatever. I mean, it has many different names. But Do you but have a I, practice? No, I totally agree in, with meditation. I've gone to meditation. Do I meditate? No, I have to confess that I do not. Mm. <laughs> do you do something that feels like it recenters you mentally? Yeah, well, I, I've, I value uh, the freedom of living alone and... Because I'm a writer, that you know, my work is solitary. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, my idea of heaven is an editorial meeting, <laughs> because you're all sitting around a table trying to think of stories or what's happening or what should be written or something, and it's a communal yeah. process. And I love that. You know, I think so. Do you believe in heaven then? And what do you believe heaven is? No, I don't. I have no idea. I mean, why would I believe in heaven? No. <laughs> I didn't think you'd say yes. I just thought you said heaven. I was like, what? No, my idea of, of what people think is heaven yeah. is not heaven. It's right here. <laughs> it's sitting at a round table, not Well, a, the good news is if you don't believe in ha- heaven, there is no hell either. No, you know, the whole idea of heaven and hell seems to have come about from cultures that were trying to say from monotheistic religions and mm-hmm. that were saying okay it's true that women uh, give you give birth and you know uh, but we as a patriarchal religion can go women one better we can give you everlasting life that was not part of the old cultures the old cultures were more like you go to the other side of the mountain and join your relatives when you die. I mean, it, there, there wasn't this elaborate, worked-out heaven and hell. That came with patriarchal religions taking the power of giving birth. Um, I mean, it's the, there's a whole analysis, well, not just analysis, but I mean, where church architecture came from. I mean, I read this. I didn't make it up, right? No, tell me. Of, of, there's um, an outer entrance, an inner entrance, labia minora, labia majora, minora. Then there's a vaginal aisle up the center, two curved ovarian structures on either side. Oh. Well, I don't have to ask you if you believe in symbolism then. <laughs> an altar in the middle, which is the, the womb mm-hmm. where the miracle takes place, mm-hmm. where men dressed in skirts like mm-hmm. women sprinkle imitation birth fluid over your head Hmm. and say, though you were born of woman, an inferior creature, so you were born in sin, 
men, the patriarchal religion can go, can do something even better than women do, which is give you everlasting life. And that seems to be where the idea of heaven came from. It's relatively new. Blowing my mind. <laughs> no, but I mean, when you think about the, yeah. you know, I'm not trying to oversimplify, yeah. but I just, it's an insight, I think, that, that yeah. helps to, to understand why it is that women are not allowed at the altar, why women can't be priests, why a, wom a woman can't be pope, all of it. Do right? you think it's going to change? Like, do you just, are you like, yeah, in time? or Yeah, no, of or, course. No, I think so. Could I you even so. guess how long it would take? No. But it's, it's, it's changed a fair amount because there are fewer believers in terms of numbers. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they may be very devoted, uh, obsessive believers in, mm -hmm. in a hierarchical religion, whether it is Christian or Islamic or whatever it is. But just in general terms, say in this country, people are not as religious. Yeah. As I've gone through my own journey with that too. And I mean, when I grew up, there was no religion. I mean, it was like my mom was a Lutheran, but you know, I, I, we didn't go to church, we went to the racetrack on the weekends. And then I became Catholic through a relationship. And then that went away. And I was going to Baptist churches for a while <laughs> with someone else. And then now I'm like, I saw something called omnism, which is the belief that no religion is true, but there's truth within all. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's perfect. Cause they're, they all seem nice, but none of them are mm -hmm. to me. Like I can't, I can't just be all in with one of them. But I think that I, they're in my mind. Again, you put things in such a elegant way. Me, I'm a little chopped up, but look, it's like religions are, somewhat institutions to make money in my mind or create division or to uh, a power it's a power thing and you know it just think that there's good in all of them but they they took a turn mm. at some point in time well I, th I think what they all offer which is really important is is a community is is, is being with other people and we very much need to be together i mean we if it's why solitary confinement is torture you know we mm. we 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 need to find a community and they provide that but i for myself i make a distinction between religion and spirituality yeah me too so i religion to me is a kind of institution mm -hmm. with uh, some chief and punishment rules. right right and spirituality is more like there's godliness in everything. Yeah, that sounds like what you were describing mm. more at first. Theo, see, say it again. Theosophy. Theosophy. Yeah, I like yeah. theosophy. That's, I mean, theosophy is God knowledge, literally, but yeah. they do kind of believe there's, because they believe in reincarnation. And I mean, it's not all one. I don't want to oversimplify, mm -hmm. you know, what theosophists said, but um. well, you mentioned about um, community, and um, I know empathy is something that is, you know, a core value to you, and something that you said we we need and we need more of. Um, can you talk about just why that's an important attribute? And 
Well, important uh, first you? of all, we couldn't, the human beings couldn't survive without it, you know, because um, if we see, if, if you put a baby in the arms of anybody, male or female, they're f we're flooded with oxytocin, which is what the hormone that allows us to empathize. Or if we see an accident in the street and we want to help even though we don't know the person, that's being flooded with oxytocin and empathy. And this human beings couldn't have survived all these thousands of years without that, without helping each other. And we, we apparently, I mean, as I asked my friendly neurologist, <laughs> we only produce oxytocin, we only empathize when we're together with all five senses. So when we're looking at a computer screen, we, can't, we can learn intellectually, but we can't empathize. As much as I love books, I have to admit that you can't empathize. You can learn, right? And again, as I was saying, that's why solitary confinement is torture. We, we can't be alone for, you know, we need to empathize with each other. So is this... And that's in part of our, of, of the huge increase in loneliness, depression, and suicide is you can trace to computers and iPhones and, you know, if I, I read that Americans are now spending 11 hours a day on the average looking at a screen. That seems extreme to me. That seems extreme to me. But I don't have a desk job that I would look at a computer, but, you know, I mean, I do look at my phone frequently, mm -hmm. but that's unfortunate. Yeah, so, the, the, that's, you know, so things are taking good turns, but that's not good. Like, no, there's only more of that going no, it's, on. It's, it, yeah, no, it's it's not good, and it does produce depression. And so, what's the solution? It, this the kind of just common sense solution is to spend an hour with other people for every hour <laughs> that you're spending looking at a screen. I, I know you don't believe in hierarchy, but I elect you for president. <laughs> no, because you have just such a simple, but yet perfect way to look at things it's just simple it's like hi go yeah. spend some time with people yeah well stop you know. looking at your screen yeah right but do you think that I this mean, is something reason, that the regular human is it's aware the reason of? for instance we still have theater and we still have concerts uh because at least even though there is not a chance to sit in a circle and to, which is the best you know i mean the most classic human Organization is sitting in a circle and taking turns talking and listening, and everybody gets like the Native Americans but at and least, the teepees. Yeah, but at least we're we're all in the same room, right? And that still has a magic, right? Right. right. People want to be part of something. I mean, generally, I think there's a yearning for that, right? There's a yearning for being in community with someone, a part of something, doing great things, growing, learning, sharing. Well, just um, just being with other human beings. But there's so much less of that. I mean, like, like you said, there's people looking at their TV screens. There's people, I mean, now we just sit. God knows we have all the TV we could ever want. You can watch every any and every show you want in any platform now. There's everything from, of course, you know, cable to, you know, direct TV to Netflix, Hulu, uh, Amazon, Apple, like you mm. name it, there's so many platforms. There's, there's just less, there's more information, but less ways to connect. So look, people are going to get this information through these platforms. So, you know, 
do you still put that connection above the information? It's not either or. It's just that for every hour that you're sitting by yourself looking at something that is inanimate, mm -hmm. you probably need an hour like we're sitting here together, right? So do you think that we just get, um, we get in bad routines or we get addicted too easily? Because it's hard to turn that off. Like as a cognitive aware person, I let it slip mm -hmm. and I am actively trying to, I mean, I don't even watch the news anymore. I get up and I'll, I'll watch like um, YouTube videos on things that I'm interested in, topics I'm interested in, try and learn, but I don't even watch that anymore. And, and I still do it. I still turn my phone on and, you know, like look at it and forget to. I know, but you, 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 have, you have invented something here, which means we're here. Yeah. <laughs> right, so yeah. you you know you're you're doing both. You know it isn't it doesn't have to be either or it can be and. That's why you put things so simple. You're right. I mean mm -hmm. it is the information. It's selecting the right information. Then right, it's putting in front of you what you. It, it'd be great if people no, spent their time listening it's to this not podcast. Then it's not selecting the right information. But you don't know what I'm going to say. You didn't select my information. I don't know what you're going to say. But we're here spontaneously, yeah. listening to each other, learning from each other, right? Yeah, yeah, very true. <laughs> um, so there's like a main topic that I have, I'm a little like perplexed on, and, and that's the topic of feminism. And I had to even look up the definition. Like that's literally my awareness level for feminism. Mm -hmm. That's okay. I believe in all That's those all right. things. Right, right, the thing right. is, is I believe in all the things that mm -hmm. it stands for, yet I wouldn't call myself a feminist. Well, you don't, you get to choose, right, you, to call yourself what, whatever you want. It, it, you might say feminism is remedial, you know, because we have, we live in a patriarchal culture, uh, so... We live in a racist culture, so people talk about black movements and civil rights. It's kind we of live in a patri difference. It, it, no, no, it's it's point. It's 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 if you if you come together when one group is powerful and the other group is not, mm -hmm. you come together in a hierarchy. So you need a movement, <laughs> whether it's against racism or mm -hmm. sexism or whatever mm -hmm. it is, mm -hmm. so you can come together at the same level. And that's all that feminism is. So uh, okay. men are feminists just as well as women right. are feminists. Yeah, right. Because it's a matter of believing in those values right. and being an activist on some level to make that a reality. Right. right? right. So anybody can right. be that person. Right. So it isn't, you know, we all get to choose our words, yeah. what, whatever it is that, that we want. Describes us. Um, but in my heart, I kind of fear that if we don't understand we're feminists, we're being masochists. Because we're putting up with a, an unjust system. Or you can use different womanist is another mm -hmm. word. Or, ega you know, egalitarian. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. we don't all have to choose the well, same word. Right? I mean, you're kind of revolutionizing the way I've thought about a movement and that's like that, that I don't really I haven't really thought about a movement being a movement points out what's different about you and the more you talk about something the more real it is and 
I've lived my life in a man's world, but I've never done anything to like try and highlight, like I'm not trying to, you know, be on an all girl race team or I'm not trying to, I use the attributes I had to help with sponsorship and, um, to, uh, you know, be able to do mm-hmm. my job, but I was never well, one to like, because well, I still ask. had to do it regardless. Like, yeah. I, and the pay but equality you, was difficult because I got paid more than are most you guys. Glad to, are you glad to see other women able to do what you do? Sure. All right. That's feminism. <laughs> I mean, but I'm no, I'm, it doesn't yeah. make me, it's not like I'm thinking to myself when I see a woman out there, I'm not thinking, yeah, I'm thinking someone is following their dreams. And I believe in that. That's a big yeah. I believe yeah. in. That's a yeah. <laughs> but it could be for a man too. I could have the same yeah. Like you're from yeah. a small town. You don't have a famous last but name. If you, or you don't. But if you've been kept out of the race because you're female or because you're mm-hmm. black or because you're mm-hmm. Asian or because you're gay or because mm-hmm. you're, you know, then mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, you're left at the starting line. Right. And I feel fortunate that I didn't have to deal with that. And look, when I first went to the Indy 500 in 2005, you know, it was a big reminder to me that, you know, women weren't even allowed in that, weren't even allowed in the pits 30 years prior to that. Like, they weren't even allowed. And there I was being cheered for, for being the fastest. So, yeah, you know, I, I didn't have to go through that period mm-hmm. of time. So, so what's it like now? Is it 50-50 women? No, oh no, no. There was one mm-hmm. one girl in the Indy 500 this year. We had as many as five one year, which mm-hmm. was a lot. Um, but that's it. Sometimes there's none. Um, I actually made the mistake of saying last year there wasn't. Oh yeah, that was me. I was the one in it last year. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's 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 no females on the regular circuit as far as like IndyCar and NASCAR at the highest level. Um, what made you want to do it? Um, yeah, so it's interesting because I, I, I wouldn't say that I love racing. Like, that wasn't uh, my motivating factor. Actually, my dad said, he's like, you need a job and you were good at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, I loved, what I loved about racing was that I loved setting, setting a goal and achieving it. I loved the journey. I loved the hope. I loved hoping that every single season I started was an opportunity to do better than the year before. And... I just love that progression. So the joy is in the journey was something that was so true for me. Um, so for me at the end, I didn't feel like I had an opportunity to do to do better than I had done. And so for me, the, the part I loved was gone. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm okay with that. And I'm someone that is okay with change. So I was able to move on at a you know, young age. Do you age. think, what made you pick this field? <laughs> Racing, mm-hmm. uh, uh, probably my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad raced when he was younger, and then my sister actually was the one who wanted to start go kart racing. She quit within a few months of starting because she didn't enjoy it, and basically got driven over the top of. So mm-hmm. she didn't. She didn't like that, and so I kept going and you know made a career out of it. But I mean, it really does come from my dad, and. He still loves it. He mm-hmm. still loves it more than I love it. You know, he's the one that still goes to the track, even though I'm not out there. And he's like, he arrives and goes, see ya. And he goes and runs around and does his mingling and is like, I think he. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I do think we, we do what we see. Yeah. You know, we need role models and, you know, we, we, as they say, we have to see it to be it. 
So you saw this in your father mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and were able to do it and enjoy it and so on. And now you've gone on to do things your father doesn't do. Yeah. He doesn't sit here probably. Right. And, no, he doesn't, right. no. <laughs> okay. I interviewed him and I was like, I'm trying to go deep on him. I'm like, dad and this and that. He's like, nope, 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 nope. I'm like, okay. You know, it's just, uh, you know, he doesn't go deep like that. Mm-hmm. What do you think about nature versus nurture then? What do you mean? Like, you know, you're born with certain qualities as mm, yeah. in you remember those qualities maybe. No, it's both. It's, versus you know, what it's, you see. I think it's both. I don't think, once again, I think the world is divided into two kinds of people. <laughs> those who divide everything into two and those who don't. Okay. So it's not. So you divide a little. <laughs> it's not nature versus nurture. It's nature and, and nurture. nurture. Right. So we come into the world as a unique human being. You can't change that. Uh, You can frustrate that. You can break that. You can develop that. You can love and glorify that. You can do a lot of things. But you can't change completely the unique person who came into the world. Do you think you can change a lot? Not change. You can choose which part to develop, maybe. Right. Obviously, our childhoods are very, very important because our brains are not completely developed uh, until we're in our early 20s. So, uh, you know, we're still making connections and synapses, and and, I mean, the brain is physically growing for long years after birth. So we're way more influenced by our childhood than other animals who are independent much sooner. You know, foals, I mean, you know, horses, the little newly born horse gets up and <laughs> walks around right away. People do, do not do that. Yeah, right. like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Um, so that, you know, the, because the human brain is so big and you, it can't get through the birth canal, uh, it, it a lot of it develops uh, in 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 childhood, and that makes us very vulnerable to the influences around us. But it, it, it it's also true that you can't completely change the person who who is there in that baby. There's a person inside every baby. The essence of the person. The, right. Um, I heard something that in our first seven years that we're alive and the last trimester of pregnancy as a baby, that that is your subconscious programming. And after that, you have to go in and reprogram. Which would explain why it's really difficult to figure out why you have certain patterns, I feel like, because you're like, I don't remember being four. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, but there are certain things that we do where we are we're probably dealing with old stuff that we don't remember. Um, I'm very interested in the human mind and mm. and the ability to reprogram and the ability to program, the ability to um, create know, but, our world. Hmm. I don't know if program is subtle enough, though, is a word, do you think? I mean, we, as infants, we need to be held. We mm-hmm. need... Right. It's, it's very, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. sensory. Mm-hmm. We need faces to look at, you know, to connect to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
babies also uh, empathize right away even with other babies. You know, if you if you put babies together, uh, they will you know touch each other, smile at each other, share food. <laughs> you know, that's cool. Yeah, yeah so, I guess I've seen that. Yeah, so so you know those. It's kind of comforting to think that yeah, they're more empathy connected is to already another there. baby than they are to an adult. Do they find is there more empathy for another existence just like theirs, or is it is there some is there because you know I don't know I don't know if there's any such experiment I have no idea mm-hmm. but but there is uh, something uh, about babies that want to look at another face I don't know if, yeah right at their their parents' face mm-hmm. another baby's mm-hmm. face I don't know mm-hmm. but there's mm-hmm. we are filled with oxytocin from mm-hmm. the beginning we empathize mm-hmm. we want to touch we want to learn we mm-hmm. want to right we can't is babies that are isolated don't develop if they're left in a crib even they though they're don't. fed yeah no they there there have been terrible terrible instances of um, in eastern european countries that were trying to force and perhaps other places that were trying to force women to have a lot of children and keep them in cribs and, you know, a kind of an almost industrial production. It was tragic because the kids didn't develop as they should have. Right? This kind of brings me back to almost what you said. At the, well, it was what you said at the beginning about not going to school for a long time mm-hmm. until you said 13, 12, 13. Well, I, I would go until it got cold, and then we would get in our house trailer and <laughs> go off. But that you, that my understanding is that you didn't really think about the differences between people and being a woman until you started going to school, and then it all of a sudden became something important. And, and Well, I thought about I mean, I was, re- I was with my family. I had an older sister, nine years older. I had my parents. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was... Mm-hmm with grown-ups, which probably gave me a vocabulary that was off-putting to my, (laughs) to other kids. Um, You can imagine. So you learn, you know, not not to do that. But uh, I don't think I, I mean, of course, what I was reading was very gendered, too. Because I mean, because because if, uh, even if you're re- reading Louisa May Alcott and Little Women, which is a whole society of women, you still notice that it's the men who's going off to war and the women who are binding up the wounds, and <laughs> so so it, I was certainly exposed to gender, yeah. but I wasn't constantly being told you can't do that. Right. You know, you can't uh, wear that because I mean, I I, I remember being taken into a old department store to buy shoes and they somebody was trying to get me to buy Mary Janes you know what Mary Janes yes right. they okay. came into fashion so. about 10 years ago again <laughs> and and I wanted red sneakers and no way was I going to wear this Mary. so you know that was partly a result of just right and I wanted a cowboy hat, and I wanted all these... What did school do then? Why, what did school do to make you go, oh, I mean, I'm not supposed to do that? I'm not supposed to have red shoes? Well, it, it, you know, there, the classic primer in my era, and for many years after, was a Dick and Jane. It was literally 
two characters named mm-hmm. Dick and Jane. And uh, Dick was the active one going up the hill, and Jane was trailing him. You know, <laughs> it was all about gender. And they were very white, these kids. So that was, was that the the vibe, or was this just the curriculum? I mean, It's what? the curriculum. No, it's the curriculum. So do you think there's a problem with it? Of course, yeah. No, 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 because it limits people. I mean, you know, we still have big problems with textbooks because, uh, you know, there's still, textbooks are partly written by who orders them. Exactly. And, and Texas, I think, is the biggest orderer of <laughs> textbooks. And not everybody in Texas is always happy that the South lost. So they might <laughs> you know, rewrite it. <laughs> it's not exactly, but it may be written in a different way, you know, as to, as to what have the you, war was about. Have you read the, I haven't read it, but I know, I, I know about the book, but 1984, mm-hmm. have you read that book? Mm-hmm. Um, that was Orwell, so that was a different, mm-hmm. yeah. And, but it was talking about basically being able to rewrite history, like as a, as a, again, I haven't read the book and I do want to read the mm-hmm. book. Um, it was actually in a hotel room in New York City and it said, if you want to be a rebel and take this book, we'd love you to take it. <laughs> like, it'll be 10 bucks, but, you know. And I was like, this is a sign. I and should it, take this book. it was book. 1984. It was the yeah, 1984 well, was, book. Well, George Orwell was warning against uh, the uh, conformity of communism mm-hmm. that he saw arriving on the scene. Mm-hmm and trying to make a case for the uniqueness and individuality that was being sacrificed, right? Wasn't there a portion of it that had to do with basically writing history, like being able to have the ability to rewrite the memories of stories as they're going in the way yeah. that someone wanted them to be? Yeah, no, the state, yeah. know, big big brothers, the, yeah, you know, the, right? state, the state was rewriting everything and you got the version that they wanted you to have instead of what you actually experienced. Right. Which no, is, I mean, he, he created a dystopian society yes. in order to warn people away from totalitarian methods. Right, right. right. Do, you, um, do you have a favorite book? There are a couple of them. Um, oh, gosh, there's, but there are too many. To, I mean, you know, I have favorite Authors. I mean, Alice Walker is one of my favorite authors because her poetry and her novels, and you know, she somehow includes everything—people, nature. If I wanted to read a book about um, oh, a way to live life, like a, a a guide almost, what would be a good book for that? Yourself. No book. Be a good author. <laughs> no. Love my own story. No, just what do you love to do? What what do you you love? What do you love so much you forget what time it is when you're doing it? Yeah, that's a good way of learning that that's what yeah. you're supposed to be doing. How do you have the energy at the eighty five break young age of eighty five? Right, right, right. To as I've read have a dozen projects going on at one time. I mean, that's just, I don't have a dozen projects Mm -hmm. and I'm 37. So, and I feel like I'm really busy right now. Tell me. You have a lot of projects. No, but I, how, how, how do you manage? Because I love it. 
Because I love, I don't so manage very love? well. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm always late with my deadlines. <laughs> I've, I have to live to a hundred just to get meet my right deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> well, inspiration but, is but natural, it's, but it's not because two things: one, I'm doing what I love, and two, I get seduced by the idea that maybe we could solve this if we did this and that. You know, it's so interesting. You look at a problem and you think, okay. Maybe if we did this or that or the other thing, and if you called this person, and if they only knew each other, and if you said, it's fun. It, it's just infinitely interesting. And, and, and also, you're fueled by unfairness. You know, when you see something that is just completely yeah. unfair, you know, yeah. it just makes you mad enough to try to do something about it. Yeah. Right. Strong motivation. Yeah, no, right. I, I mean, I maybe you could have predicted your life a little bit more because you saw what your father was doing and it interested you and you wanted to do it. But probably from now on, you won't be able to predict your life either. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe right. you're right because there right. was some kind of a a model for it, um, mm. a way to see it. Yeah, you said that. We believe it when we see it, essentially, right? Didn't you say that earlier? Something about that. Uh, something. Something. Well, you have to. See, you have to see it to be it. See it to be it. Yeah. So the, the, what you, do you don't know it's possible always unless you seen. see it. Yeah. Right. right. So, because I believe that essentially, like when I believe it, I'll see it, which is maybe not exactly the same on the flip side, but. But what do you what do you think about that? What do you think about the power of believing in something so much that you I'm just gonna like manifest or force something? What's an example? I mean, believing in something you've never seen, visualizing and Mm -hmm. seeing something through. Like let's say my winery. You know, when I was standing on the knoll of Quintessa in 2006, swirling my white wine before Mm -hmm. noon. I uh, may have been before 11 even. And I looked down the valley and I thought to myself, I want to have something. I want to have something like this someday. Mm -hmm. I don't have $50 million right now, but someday I might. And I'd love to have something Mm -hmm. like this someday. And I started dreaming into what that looked like. And I have it. And it didn't cost 50 million, thank Mm -hmm. God. But I started dreaming into it and I started visualizing it, which this is the slight, this isn't, this is why it's not an exact flip because I saw something I liked and then I just started visualizing how I wanted to see yeah. it well, I in think my that's, way. Yeah, I mean, you, you saw something that was possible. I mean, maybe if you never, ever, ever, ever saw a vineyard, you might not have had the idea uh, had the idea or wanted to you know because we need a little you know yeah. but then you could take that idea and and make it your own so you you see it to be it but you also make it your own well what did you see then when you were younger that made you go men and women are just construct like why are we well i didn't think that when i was younger i mean you're kidding me no i didn't <laughs> it took me a while to figure that out i mean i i for years, you know, well into my, till I was 40, uh, at least, I kept thinking, okay, I'm going to do what women are supposed to do. I'm going to get married and have children and live that life. Just not right now. (laughs) So I just kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And one day I realized I was happy. 
And fortunately, the whole of feminism came along and said, not everybody has to live the same way. It's okay. And it's not better or worse, it's different. You can, you know, you, you don't all have to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna read a part from uh, your bio, the, the introduction for your, uh, your book, which I love the title, The Truth Will Set You Free, But First It Will Piss You Off, in a book of quotes. Yes, that's, I'm, I'm just. And I love quotes right. in my book, which I might as well just hand it over to you right now. Um, there's a you know an ambitious workout program in there and some mm -hmm. other things, but the first five chapters are more mind body connected. Um, but uh, but I have a I have a chapter on mantras mm -hmm. quotes. You know d even developing your own. There's like a mantra marker at the end of it where you can kind of create some, you know put down some attributes that you love to create something that's meaningful to you. So okay, look, well, I'm just that, saying this, that I'm. This may help me. Too. <laughs> I don't to, think so. To meditate, I think it's a little, to have a mantra. Thank you. A little right, remedial right. for you, maybe. But, <laughs> um, but, uh, but the point is, is that I love quotes, and um, I'm really excited about this book. But I thought I would kind of uh, this, 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 this sort of towards the end of the introduction. Mm -hmm. I love this part. Um, this is talking about sort of the, uh, you know, you're talking about the the patriarchy kind of um, world we live in and and the uh, the difficulties that it produces so just as the family just as the family and the source of everything from violence to democracy it's also a teaching lesson here for a woman in a violent household the most dangerous time is just before or after she escapes this is when she's most likely to be injured or killed why because she's escaping control the majority of this country are escaping control of old hierarchies of race and gender and more. The meaning, this, the, the, this means two things. First, we need to be aware and look after each other. Love that. Second, we may be about to be free. I mean, that's the truth. Mm -hmm. I and mean, that's just, that was, when I read that, I'm like, I'm gonna circled it. I'm like, mm -hmm. I love that. No, I'm so, I'm so glad because I think that you know, from looking at the microcosm, you learn the mac macrocosm, mm -hmm. and I yeah, think, sure. you know, from from looking at domestic violence, I I began to see that, and I I think part of what we have not done <laughs> is to, or at least not done enough, is to recognize that the most dangerous time is after a victory. You know, because you are about to be free, mm -hmm. and um, I mean, for instance, lynching mm -hmm. did not happen during slavery; it happened after emancipation. And the whole time of, of of Reconstruction after emancipation was about reinstituting economic slavery and using lynching and so on to do that. And I, I, I think. In our current situation, we didn't understand that well enough because just in general, the social justice movements, all of them, and the environmental movement and so on, have changed the majority opinion in this country. Uh, and on top of that, we had had uh, eight years of the Obama administration. So why didn't we anticipate that a third of the country that still believes in the old way and feels deprived of the old hierarchy and, you know, and, I mean, not to oversimplify, but that's a lot of the reason, was 
going to be in bed. I don't think we understood that. You know, we, we, we celebrate a victory without understanding mm -hmm. that there's going to be a backlash. Mm -hmm. Well, looking after each other and all of my travels and all the people that I've met and all the differences that exist, what I always find is a good human. Like for the most part, look, there are some there are some bad ones, but for the most part, when you travel and when you meet new people and whatever side of the 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 um, the duality you're on, like you know, there you, is you no should, there, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, whatever side of the the the, the, the this or that, the, whether it's you know Republican it's, Democrat or whether it's American I know, but, or you know you, yeah. you find good people, right? You like people, find good people. Find good people. I'm just so objecting look after each other. I'm just objecting to the duality part. <laughs> okay. Scratch that. Strike that. No, I mean you don't have to scratch it, but I would just say you know that that um, dualities are based on masculine and feminine, which or black and white or whatever, you know, which is part of the problem, not the solution. Mm -hmm. The point yeah. is to look after each other, right? right? Like that, take care of each other. We all have the same goal in mind usually, which is be happy, be joyful, find peace. Mm -hmm. And then the second being we're about to be free. I mean, there's mm -hmm. look, the only way to the other side is through, you know, we have to go through when you're in the middle of it is probably almost the most hopeful time because there's it means you're on the way. And um, so it's a hopeful time for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe and, you could. And which is, I'm not so good about this. <laughs> you probably, given your profession, are better <laughs> living we'll in the see. present. Instead of because our minds get occupied with what if in the future yeah. or why did I do that in the past or whatever. And it happens, you can only be fully alive in the present. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Eckhart Tolle talks a lot about that. And it's, uh, I listen to him and I love listening to his voice. It's so entrancing. And, um, but, you know, when he's, he's talking about it, I think, but I won't get anything done there. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, but if I'm just in the present and nothing no, because is you, happening, I won't get anything done there. <laughs> yeah, no, but you will because you because you will be building the block of the next thing, and you know rather than divided, half your head is in the future. And well, yeah. maybe when I drove, mm -hmm. I was able to yes. be in the present better. Yes, and no, it was I'm a sure form it sounds of to me. For yes, me. right. It sounds to me like a great form of meditation. You can't. You, you don't have any time don't to think have about any anything choice. else. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely yeah. have to be there. Yeah. No, I think that's that's terrific. Right. So I've taken a lot of your time, and I appreciate it. But maybe you could kind of give to me your um, your grand vision of how you know if you were to able to cast your magic wand and say, "This is what I hope." Mankind looks like womankind, man, humankind. Human, Let's give it a non-name. Let's give it a human, humankind. Yeah, that's a very good name. Right? How does it look? It's not a very good name. Uh, well, it, it looks like a circle that does not only contain humankind, but all the plants and animals and all the living things on Earth. And there is... A, at least the beginning of an understanding that we are all linked yeah. in a circle. We are not ranked like this. Yeah. Right. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Gloria. No, thank you. <laughs>
Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. And also thank you so much, Trevor Hall, for the awesome music. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.